0: Well, good morning, everybody. Seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. A beautiful day here in the Northeast Spring finally has arrived, uh, and it looks like it's here to stay, so pretty happy about that. I was just listening to the newscast and uh, that last story about, uh, you know, if you've delayed going to the dentist because of the pandemic, you know, now's the time to do it. Um, no, (laughs) I'm speaking only for myself. I don't know about, you know, the rest of you, but I have an absolutely irrational fear of the dentist. I've been that way my entire life and, you know, I've had to go to the dentist numerous times as we all have, but I'm at to a point in my life now, I don't go unless I'm in pain. I have not been to a dentist and I look, this isn't necessarily something to be proud of. Uh, I haven't been to a dentist in probably 12 years. Um, and, you know, I brush my teeth, I floss, you know, I probably, I have a couple of things I probably should get looked at, but it ain't hurting me, so I ain't going. It's just, it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has to do with the fact that just thinking about going to the dentist makes me break out in a cold sweat. Oh, just, I can't, uh, I can't. So uh, before we get to sports a couple of things by the way if you if you're living in North Carolina it looks like the uh, uh, the crisis is over I mean there are people that were sitting in gas lines for an hour and a half two hours after the shutdown of the colonial pipeline uh, after the ransomware attack that came from some group in uh, Russia and uh, uh, it was getting ugly down there you know and you know and it, it was getting ugly in other places as well but North Carolina like three quarters of the uh, state supposedly was out of gas or the stations were out of gas you know it wasn't a it wasn't a question of whether there was enough gas there's plenty uh, to go around it's a supply issue with the pipeline shut down um but uh, uh that has been alleviated at least the, the pipelines back up and running they said it'll you know within a couple of days everything should be up and good and most of the people that were sitting in these lines it wasn't because they needed gas it's because they were panicking You know, it was the same idea of behind the toilet paper shortage when the pandemic started. Oh, my God, there might be a gas shortage. We better fill up everything. There were people filling up plastic bags full of garbage, which, by the way, uh, not a good idea. Just saying. Um, But, you know, people just panic. You know, my daughter, I mean, look, she, she lives in Connecticut. My daughter called me yesterday. Dad, do you think I should get gas? You know, and I'm not going to say who told her that she should get gas, but, you know, I, I got a phone call and, you know, said I should go get gas. To, you know, I said, stop. I said, how much gas do you have in your car? Oh, I got three quarters of a tank. Then don't go get gas. You're fine. <laughs> you know, she's got a commute that's three miles. Uh you know, I mean, it's just ins- insanity, and that's that's why we end up with the problems that we have. We had people that had, you know, toilet paper for enough toilet paper for a year in their house uh, when the pandemic started. Uh, so anyway, the pipeline's up and running, and hopefully within a couple of days, it should be good to go. Um, one other note, and this was sad to me. Uh, my wife and I love to watch these um, uh, musical uh, competition shows. We love The Voice. Uh, we love American Idol. It's just fun. You know, we love music. And so it's just kind of fun to watch. And uh, uh, one of the favorites on American Idol has left the show. Caleb Kennedy's just turned 16 years old. Uh, the only country artist um, on the in the five finalists for American Idol this year has left the show. Why? Because a video surfaced from when he was 12 years old. Uh, it was like a three-second video clip, and he was sitting next to somebody, some other kid that had a hood on their face, over their head. And, you know, somebody, uh, some comedian got a hold of it and said, you know, this kid, you know, it's, it's KKK. You know, come to find out from the, from the mother that it was, this video was taken right after the kids had watched some show called The Strangers uh, Pray at Night. And it was um, a horror movie where this family was being stalked by these psychos in a secluded mobile home park. And one of the characters in the thing wore a hood over their head or had a hood put over their head. And supposedly these kids were just imitating what they had seen in the movie. This happened when he was 12 years old. And they're trying to make it out like the kid's some kind of racist. because. And and by the way, Caleb wasn't even the one with the hood on his head. It was a kid he was sitting next to. But it wasn't a KKK thing. It was supposedly after some movie. And yet here we go, the knee-jerk reaction, the cancel culture, whatever it is you want to call it, and now this kid has had to give up his chance to make it on American Idol. And the kid had just done well. Uh, he had just debuted a um, an original song that got him into the finals uh, called Mama Said, which was an awesome song. And, I, you know, and it actually, uh, the kid has kind of come out of his shell. He's got an issue with one of his eyes. He's kind of got like a, I don't know what you want to call it, but one of his eyes doesn't open fully and, uh, he was he used to wear a hat to hide it. Well, you know, after Katy Perry revealed that she's got some issues with one of her eyes, you know, he kind of came out of his shell. He stopped wearing the baseball cap, and now all of a sudden, you know, you could see his face. And, and But anyway, just a shame, just an absolute shame. Uh, one of the other contestants left earlier in this season, and he said it was for personal reasons. We don't know exactly what it was. I don't think it was anything like this, but who knows? But uh, he was another one that was kind of a favorite uh, on the show. Uh, last name was, uh, his name was Wyatt Pike. Really good. Uh, but just a shame, this kid Caleb Kennedy just just turned 16 years old and he's now being subjected to cancel culture because of a a short video clip from when he was 12 years old. Just sitting there with some kid that had, I mean, just after watching a movie. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, all right, enough, uh, enough of that. Let's get to sports from last night. Um, the NFL released its schedule. Yesterday, and uh, there are some juicy things to look at in this schedule. Uh, The opening game for the season will be uh, on September 9th, and it will be the Tampa Bay Bucks, the defending Super Bowl champions, will play at the Dallas Cowboys. So Tom Brady against the self-proclaimed America's team, On September 9th, by the way, the Dallas Cowboys stopped being America's team uh, many moons ago. You know, that was one of those things that always rankled me, still does. And frankly, Jerry Jones is a clown, and the Dallas Cowboys can't lose enough to make me happy, but that's just me. Uh, But anyway, so that's the opening game on September the 9th. Uh, Another interesting game in the opening week. Uh, The AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs will play host to the Cleveland Browns. um, A playoff rematch. Uh, by the way, I don't expect this one will turn out any differently than, uh, the playoffs. Although the Browns are going to be very good again. Uh, Kansas city has shown us no reason to think that they won't be, um, the AFC champions once again, but, uh, that was a week one matchup. That should be a good one. The first Monday night game will be the Raiders hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the, uh, a lot of great games. There's, uh, some teams. Um, are going to get a lot of coverage this year, as they always do. The Buccaneers have five primetime games this year. As you might expect, Tom Brady moves the needle. Uh, you're going to see a lot of the Cowboys and the Chiefs on primetime. Again, teams that move the needle. Um, So it, a surprising one to me is the Packers have five primetime games. Now, and the only reason I say it's surprising is what if, what if Aaron Rodgers doesn't end up playing for the Packers, what if he ends up getting his way and getting out of town, you know, and uh, they're playing a rookie at quarterback or, you know, somebody that uh, has never taken a snap in the NFL. How's that going to go? The the NFL may may regret that. Uh, Some other interesting things. There's uh, the two number one or the two top two draft picks will meet in week 16. The Jaguars will play at the Jets. So Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson will be able to uh, square off against each other. That's a very interesting matchup as well. Um, As far as the Patriots schedule goes, well, week four. This will be the toughest ticket in the history of New England Patriots football, and I do not believe that is hyperbole. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will come to Gillette Stadium on October 3rd, uh, a Sunday night game, an eight twenty start. Tom Brady making his return to New England. Can you imagine what the scalpers are going to get for tickets to that game? It will be off the charts. So that is uh, uh, a very, very interesting game. Uh, the Patriots actually have three of their first four games at home. Actually. They have five of their first seven games at home. So uh, and they open up on September 12th against the Dolphins. They always play well against the Dolphins. Then they play at the Jets, and then they have a home game with the New Orleans Saints, a Saints team that no longer features Drew Brees. That will be an interesting game. I think the, you know if the Patriots are going to do anything, that's a, that's a game that you can point to and see what kind of progress they've made. Obviously, playing the Bucks is going to be a big deal as well. Uh, then they play at the Houston Texans. We don't know what. Houston's probably not going to be very good, especially if Deshaun Watson's not playing. And uh, then the Patriots will also play host to the Dallas Cowboys on October 17th. Um, and the Cleveland Browns on November 14th. That will be another very interesting game and a big test uh, to see whether this Patriot team is ready for prime time, so to speak. Uh, their toughest road game is probably the game at the Chargers. On October 31st, this Chargers team uh, is going to be very good once again. Uh, They don't see the Buffalo Bills until December. They play the Bills on December the 6th for the first time. It's at Buffalo. It's a Monday night game. And then they play them again the day after Christmas, a home game on December the 26th. Uh, the Patriots don't have a bye week until uh, week 14, which is not a bad thing. It gives them a chance. If they're going to make any kind of a playoff run, they've got some guys dinged up. That's a good time to get the, uh, uh, the bye. Uh, and the Patriots, so they start the season against the Dolphins on September 12th. They finish the season at the Dolphins on January 9th. Of course, don't forget there's been a 17th game added this year, so everything's pushed back a week. So we now have the end of the regular season, not until January 9th now. Uh, so that's the NFL schedule. Again, are going to be a lot of fun games. We'll talk to Dan Zampano about that as time goes along. Um, but, uh, uh, everybody licking their chops, looking forward to that October 3rd game. When Tom Brady comes back to new England, honest to God, that's one of those where, uh, you want to go see that game. It's going to cost you four figures. You know, I mean, unless you're a season ticket holder and you get your seats early, uh, if you are the average fan and you want to get it from a uh, a ticket agency or a scalper, whew, <laughs> you might have to take out a second mortgage on your house. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, and frankly, uh, it could be disappointing if you're a Patriot fan. Although I don't know what disappointing is. If you're the Patriot fan, obviously you want your team to win, you know, but do you want? You know, I and that's the other thing. How will Brady be received back in New England? You would think. You would think with nothing but cheers, although there will be some clowns that will boo. There are still people that are pissed that he left, and you know, look at it as a betrayal. Oh, excuse me, uh, but I, you know, I don't, I don't look at it that way. You know, I think he he earned his chance to go play where he wants to play. You know, and I think he earned a chance to, you know, at forty-two years old at the time, you know, a chance to try new things. But I would think it will be mostly cheers when he returns to New England. So uh, the Red Sox last night, the slide continues, and last night's game, uh, they lose to Oakland last night, four to one. Sox managed just five hits, so they have had a total of 13 hits combined in their last three games. Not optimal. But last night's game was absolutely uh, exasperating as a Red Sox fan. They're seeing James Kaprilian making his first major league start. Fifteen pitches into the game. The Red Sox have the bases loaded and nobody Out. This was a chance to knock this kid out of the game, to put up a crooked number and start to feel better about your offense again. I mean, it was just drove me up the wall. Marco Gonzalez, or Marco, I keep calling him Marco Gonzalez, Marwin Gonzalez, Alex Verdugo, JD Martinez, load the bases. Then Xander Bogarts comes up and Caprillian gets Bogarts to strike out. He then gets Rafi Devers to pop up to first base. Now there's two outs. He loses his control. He walks Christian Vasquez. So the Red Sox get a run on a bases loaded walk. And that's it. You have got to knock that guy out of the game. You cannot have the bases loaded and nobody out and come up with one run, and it was on a bases-loaded walk. That I mean, I guess that should have said to me right then that the Red Sox are toast. You know, and Caprillion ends up settling down. He retired 9 of 11 uh, between the second and fourth inning, Then the Red Sox have an opportunity again in the fifth. Oakland scored two runs in the top of the fifth. Then the Red Sox in the bottom of the fifth. Here we go again, another opportunity. And bases, they have guys on first and third and nobody out. And J.D. Martinez is up at the plate. And he hits a little comebacker to the pitcher, Caprillion. And Marwin Gonzalez breaks for home and then stops. If he if he continues running, he's probably going to be safe because Caprillian kind of froze because he had just thrown the ball away trying to get a guy at second base. So, you know, he was a little bit gun-shy about throwing the ball to begin with. And you could see him hesitate. If he doesn't stop, he probably slides in safe. Instead, he stops. He gets tagged out. Now the runners are on first and second with one out. So what does he do? He strikes out Bogarts. And he strikes out Devers. Inning over. And the Red Sox just can't do anything the rest of the way. Birch Smith. Alex Trevino and Jake Deekman come on and the Red Sox get a total of two base runners in the final four innings and they lose this one 4 to 1. Just ugh, oh, 1 for 11 with runners in scoring position last night. 1 for 11. You know, look, this this team has done well. They have overachieved. I don't I'm not going to go off and say, "Oh my god, the sky is falling." If you had told me at the start of the season that on uh, May 13th, the Red Sox would still be in first place, I'd be like, I'll sign up for that right now. But here's the thing. You know, we've had problems in the bottom of the lineup. You know, Bobby Dahlbeck and Hunter Renfro and guys not hitting the baseball. But the middle of the Red Sox lineup, you know, Verdugo and J.D. and Devers and Bogarts and Vasquez had been just otherworldly. Well, in these last three games that the Red Sox have lost, those guys are 7 for 41. That's a uh, 171 batting average. The team as a whole in the last three games hitting 141 with 32 strikeouts in 101 plate appearances, striking out a third of the time. That's concerning, no question about it. Eduardo Rodriguez last night, Had his velocity back, but he wasn't sharp. He gave up seven hits, four runs. He struck out nine, walked one. And he was lucky, to be honest with you, that he probably only gave up four runs. They were hitting some absolute bullets off of him last night. Fortunately, some of them were at people. There was one ball, uh, to the play of the night, one of the greatest plays you will ever see, one of the greatest throws you will ever see by an outfielder last night. A ball hit over the head of uh, Alex Verdugo in center field by, uh, I believe it was Matt Chapman. Hunter Renfro is backing him up. He gets to the ball in right field, spins and throws an absolute missile to third base on the fly to get the runner. It was unbelievable. Actually, I think the ball was hit by Piscotti. It was Chapman who was the runner. And Chapman gets thrown out at third base on one of the best throws you will ever see. Uh, Ellis Burks was doing the commentary last night, and I think he was right on. I haven't seen a throw like that at Fenway Park since Dwight Evans was playing for the Red Sox, and that was a long time ago. That was an unbelievable throw. I, I got to be honest. I didn't know Renfro had that kind of arm. That was absolutely awesome. So – uh, that was a great defensive moment. But offensively, this Red Sox team in a funk, I don't know what the answer is other than, you know, hey, guys, we, we got to hit the ball. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, Bobby Dalback sat again last night. Why? Well, his last 14 games he's hitting 102 with uh, 16 strikeouts and 51 plate appearances. It's, that's, Ladies and gentlemen, that's bad. Uh, they have a chance today to try to salvage one in this series. It's almost uh, uh, you know I, you can't say it's a must win, but this is going to be a challenge. Sean Manaya will take the mound for the Athletics. He's three and one with a three oh seven ERA in his first seven starts, and in his last six starts, three and zero with a two two three ERA. He is pitching like the old Sean Manaya. And Red Sox fans remember the old Sean Manaya. It did not go well for Boston. Remember, Manaya actually threw a no hitter against Boston a few years ago. So uh, it'll be Garrett Richards for the Red Sox. And uh, his last couple of starts, he's been really good. You know, he's gone into the seventh inning. And, uh, but, and he seems to have figured things out a little bit, but they're going to have their hands full taking on the lefty Manaya today. Um, but it's a game that the Red Sox need to win uh, if they're going to stay in first place. Um, why? Well, the Yankees last night, Won again. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays one nothing last night. Uh, Garrett Cole, as I said yesterday, you had to give him the edge, but give Tampa a lot of credit uh, between Colin McHugh and that bullpen. Uh, they did a good job holding the Yankees down. They only got a sacrifice fly from Aaron Hicks. That was the only run of the game. Uh, sacrifice fly drove in Aaron Judge. The Yankees only had six hits in this game, and three of them were by Aaron Judge. Outside of that, uh, the Yankees could do nothing against this Tampa Bay staff. But uh, Garrett Cole, eight innings, he struck out 12, did not walk anybody, only gave up four hits. his Chapman, a perfect ninth inning to pick up his ninth save of the season. And now the Yankees are one game, one game behind the Boston Red Sox. Look, you know, the cream is starting to rise to the top, not just in the American League East. But across baseball, you're seeing the teams that were supposed to win uh, getting their act together. Look what's happened to the Chicago White Sox. You know, they were hovering around the 500 mark. Well, all of a sudden, they've whipped off 7 of 10, 5 in a row, and here they are now, 8 games over 500. The Houston Astros are starting to get their act together. We see what Oakland is doing right now. Oakland's now won 7 of 10. Uh, you know, the Dodgers are, are look like they're finally getting back to where they were supposed to be. Well, the Yankees are a game back of Boston now. The Yankees have won four in a row, eight of ten. The Toronto Blue Jays, another favorite in the American League East, on a roll as well. Uh, they've won six of ten. They would love to be able to continue playing the Atlanta Braves for the rest of the season. But the Sox margin for error now is gone. So they need a W today, and they need it in the worst way. If for nothing else, just to stop the bleeding and to build that confidence back up because you know that up and down that lineup right now, guys are going, uh-oh, and there's there's some puckering going on in that Red Sox locker room. It's uh, 31 minutes past here. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. I was just checking my uh, email uh, during the uh, commercial break there. And (laughs) one of my listeners, uh, Steve, thanks for checking in. Uh, He said that uh, uh, he would sell one of his children (laughs) for a ticket to the Tampa Bay game at New England this fall. Uh, (laughs) And he said... He wants he wants to go just so that he can boo Tom Brady, uh, you know. And look, Steve, um, I'm going to guess you're in the minority. I mean, look, I may be wrong, but I think the majority of Patriot fans look. There's obviously some. Dis- there was obviously a lot of disappointment, a lot of bitterness when he left the Patriots. I mean, you can understand that. But I think we have gotten, look, it's so far, you know, the, that water is so far under the bridge now. I would think that most Patriot fans look back at the Brady time and they are grateful. They are, I, maybe nostalgic is the right word, but grateful should be the right word here because Patriot fans were treated to the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, in my opinion. You know, I mean, that's a debate that, that you can make. But when it comes to rings, you can't debate that Brady is the best. Um, you know, and we had an opportunity to have this guy in New England for most of his career. You know, to me, this, you know, I, I I made the the I've made the analogy before of, uh, you know, Peyton Manning late in his career going to Denver. Uh, you can look at uh, what Joe Montana tried to do late in his career when he went to Kansas City. But by and large, you know, when most quarterbacks leave to go to another place, they don't have anything left in the tank. You know, you can remember Johnny Unitas at the end of his career. Joe Namath at the end of his career. You know, the guys don't have anything really left. Um you know, look what's happened with—I uh, mean, Joe Flacco would be another guy, a guy that's won a Super Bowl, and you know, a guy now that you know is is a shadow of his former self. You know, and you can make a case with Flacco that maybe he was a system guy, and and and, and you know, he wasn't ever that great to begin with. That you know, it's debatable, but but I would think, and so I would think, Steve, you're going to be in the minority. I hope so, anyway. I hope so. Uh, but I'll tell you what—I mean, I. I Well, I don't have any kids that live at home anymore, but I wouldn't sell one of my kids to go to the game. I wouldn't say, you know what? I don't really like going to live professional football games. Now, I'm a guy that I had season tickets to the Patriots in the past, uh, and I've been to plenty of games, but I would much rather watch an NFL game in my living room. Why? It's more comfortable. (laughs) Uh you know, I don't have to deal with people spilling beer on me. And frankly, you can see the game better on television. You can see everything so much better on television. It's the only sport I would actually say I would much rather watch on television than watch live is football. I would. I mean, hockey, to me, hockey is so much better live because you can watch everything develop uh, at a hockey game. Uh, I think baseball is better live, you know, at the ballpark. Uh, I think basketball, you know, unless you're sitting up in the nosebleed seats, you know, at at TD Garden or something, they look like ants down on the floor. But uh, I would much rather watch basketball live because, again, you can see plays develop. I I, I speak more of college basketball than than the pros if you're talking about plays because nobody runs plays in pro basketball anymore. But I'd much rather watch a basketball game live. But football is the one sport. To me, that is so much better on television, so much better. Yeah, the comfort factor, but also the ability to see the replays, to to, to just see what's going on, is so much better on, on television. You know, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people that will disagree, and you know, those of you that like getting beer spilled on you and being uh, so far away from the field, you can't really see anything clearly. Well, great. Go for it. Those of you, uh, Dan Zampano, our are, are, uh, are, are correspondent for the NFL. I mean, Dan Zampano w- is nuts. I mean, this is a guy that went to Buffalo in the freezing cold to watch a Patriots game in Buffalo. You know, I love Dan, but I questioned his sanity there. I mean, but good for him. I mean, he's young, I guess, you know, but uh, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, you know, maybe if it was a Super Bowl and, you know, maybe just I mean i just to say cuz i've never been to a super bowl you know so uh i've been to a stanley cup game i've been to uh uh a world series game several of them uh you know i've uh, i've been to basketball championship games but the uh, the super is the one thing i've never been to um i've been to some playoff games but i've never been to a super bowl so maybe i would make an exception for that but other than that no thanks i'll watch the nfl uh, on television, so Steve, I hope you don't sell one of your kids. But if you do end up going, and, and I hope, I hope, and and I, I listen, I appreciate you watching the show. I'm not, there's nothing against you, but I hope that you are wrong when it comes to that. Um, and and I, I I'm gonna I bring that around to what happened yesterday in uh, New York when Matt Harvey returned. To City Field to pitch for the first time in uh, three years. Um, <laughs> Dan Sampano just sent me a uh, a text message. He said, "Fortune is for the bold and crazy." Yeah, <laughs> I can't I can't argue with you there, Dan. Um, by the way, uh, thanks for listening. Glad you're up early in the morning. I thought you only got up this early when uh, we had you. Uh, when we had you on the show. And Ted says, (laughs) he doesn't have any kids, but he said he'd sell his kidney (laughs) to see Tom Brady back. Oh, my goodness. Well, you do have two of them, I I suppose. Uh, Anyway, so I bring it back to what happened. Matt Harvey returning to uh, City Field yesterday. And there was question as to how he would be received there. Now, he had... Come back with the Cincinnati Reds a couple of years ago, if you remember, after the trade, and the team had put a, a a video tribute to him on the scoreboard when he was there, but he didn't actually pitch, so you know the fans never had a chance to react one way or the other. Uh, and there was question how he would be received because look, uh, you know he did some great things for that franchise. there was no question about that, but he was also his own worst enemy at times. Now you can't help the injuries, but it's the off the field stuff that that rankled a lot of people where he seemed to be chasing fame instead of chasing uh, rings. Um, you know and but but at the same time, this is a guy, That New Yorkers should have loved. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, didn't want to come out of a a game and and told his manager or talked his manager into letting him come out for the ninth inning of a game and, you know, ended up uh, in 2015. Remember that? Against Kansas City in the World Series, Game 5, and he talked Terry Collins into letting him come back out. I mean, New Yorkers should love that, right? You know, and by the way, if you remember that, and I don't, I didn't necessarily have a problem with Terry Collins letting him go back out for that ninth inning. The problem I had with Terry Collins was after Matt Harvey walked the first guy that he faced, he didn't take him out immediately. He left him in to face, I think it was. Uh, Eric Hosmer, and then Hosmer doubled. So now all of a sudden you got runners on second and third. Now they pull the plug. They bring in Familia, and, you know, <laughs> they handed Familia a you-know-what sandwich and said, go get him. And uh, Familia ends up giving up a run, ties the game, and they end up losing. Uh, but New Yorkers should love the brashness of, of Harvey. Well, yesterday he came back as a member of the Baltimore Orioles, and he got three standing ovations. Um, it was very, very cool. Uh, he got one when he took the mound. Then he got another one when he came up to bat in the second inning. Uh, you know, which was really neat. And then he got one when he left in the fifth inning after he had gotten drilled, by the way, I mean, he did. It didn't go well for him. They lost that game to the Mets seven to one. Harvey had his worst outing of the season. But uh, as he was walking off, the fans gave him another standing ovation, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, uh, again, he didn't have his best stuff yesterday. And he had pitched well this season. He came in with an ERA of uh, uh, like 3.6 and had a 3-2 and record. He had pitched well. He's changed his way he pitches. He's added a sinker to his repertoire. He's getting more ground balls than he did in the past. Um, he's figured some stuff out, how to pitch differently. He doesn't have the gas he used to have after, you know, the thoracic outlet syndrome that he had and, you know, a couple of other injuries, he's figured it out and is managing to, to, uh, you know, to, to stay in the major leagues. And he, even yesterday, he said, look, he said, I was fighting back tears. And he said, I would have understood if I got booed. He said, uh, the last couple of years have been humbling. He said, I've learned from my mistakes, you know, and he said that there were times. Um, that I got in my own way and caused some of the problems I had in New York. I mean, this is a guy now that recognizes that he was a bit of a douche, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, and has learned. And, you know, that's maturity. Got to give it to him. So not a great day as far as uh, the result uh, for the uh, Orioles and Matt Harvey went. But Taiwan Walker was very good for the Mets yesterday, went 7 um, and uh, only gave up one run and four hits. And, uh, you know, they beat a, a not great Orioles team. And the Mets are now five games over 500. The Mets are 18 and 13. Uh, they have won seven in a row, eight of 10. And people are having to pay attention to this Mets team now. And we look, we knew they were going to be good. And just think about this Noah, Noah Syndergaard's coming back in June, he'll be back in a month. You know, And as long as this injury to Jacob deGrom isn't uh, debilitating and he's still able to pitch uh, this season and, you know, supposedly, you know, he's going to be fine, you know, as long as that continues, this Mets team is going to be nasty. They are going to be a very, very tough team to beat. And right now, you know, with the way the Atlanta Braves are going, the, the, uh, what I feel is the, Uh, Major League Baseball's anointed team, Major League Baseball wants the Braves to succeed so badly it's killing them, you know, because of Acuna and because of Albies and, you know, guys like that. They are dying for the Braves to become a dominant team. But I think that uh, we are finding that the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets are going to have something to say about that, as will, by the way, the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays never want to leave uh, playing the Atlanta Braves, they have beaten the Braves five times this year, including last night. They beat him again for nothing. uh was masterful for uh, Toronto, uh, one run and five hits. The only run he gave up was a home run to William Contreras in the second inning. Outside of that, uh, he stuffed them. And uh, you know, Max Reed pitched well for Atlanta as well. By the way, he had been terrible lately, but uh, went six innings, only gave up one run and two hits. But they uh, they got to the bullpen. And they are now 5-0 and oh against the Braves. And, again, here come the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, another team the Red Sox have to watch out for. The Blue Jays now only a game and a half uh, behind Boston uh, after uh, winning that game yesterday. They've won 6 of 10 and 2 in a row. It's 47 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. So we've talked about some of the teams that are rising to the top a team that is not rising to the top and a team where you have to begin to wonder what's going on and will some heads roll. I mean, I look, I know it's May 13th and we have a lot of time left, but if you are a fan of the Minnesota twins, you've got to be scratching your head. Uh, you've got to be, well, you've got to be almost apoplectic at this point. Um, as the White Sox beat them yesterday, thirteen to eight. The Twins are now twelve and twenty-two. I repeat, twelve and twenty-two. That is absolutely brutal. Um, is Rocco Baldelli in trouble? Well, I don't know. It's kind of again, we're thirty-four games in, right? We got hundred and twenty-eight to go, so you know it's a little early to start shoveling dirt on them. But you have to be concerned if you are the Twins. Uh, you know, look, uh, your, your big guys are hitting. I mean, Josh Donaldson's hitting .295. Uh, Nelson Cruz is hitting over three hundred, you know, had another big game yesterday. Uh, you know, you've got some guys, though, that are underperforming. Miguel Sano is burying himself. You know, Miguel Sano is hitting one hundred twenty one. He struck out a couple more times yesterday. Uh, you know, this guy is is uh, uh, in trouble. Uh, Andrelton Simmons not hitting. Max Kepler's hitting 198. Um, so uh, Mitch Garver, their catcher, is hitting 207. You know, and they've gotten some decent pitching. Kent Maeda has pitched well. Uh, uh, Michael Pineda has pitched well. Uh, Jay Happ yesterday got drilled. Nine runs and nine hits in three and a third innings. But 12 and 22, a team, you know remember after Cleveland made all those you know all those moves and, and they got rid of everybody, everybody knew the White Sox were going to be good, but then the White Sox got some injuries and everybody was basically saying this is Minnesota's division to win. Well well, Minnesota's lost seven of ten, three in a row, 12 and 22. Uh, they're only a game ahead of the Detroit Tigers folks. They're behind they're three and a half games behind the Kansas City Royals in the Al Central. So if you're the twins and you're, you know, the general manager, you have to start. How long do you go before you start making some changes? Now, whether that's Rocco Baldelli, and I don't think it should be. I don't think Rocco's the problem here. You know, um, you know, you have guys underperforming, you know, but when do you start making moves? When does Miguel Sano become uh, a casualty? You know when do you when do you make a move as far as that goes? Uh, do you have to shake up the batting order a little bit? Should Luis Arias should he be hitting at the top of the lineup instead of at the bottom? Uh, you know that's a question you could legitimately ask uh, Rocco Baldelli. I don't think you know Arias. I think it's a pretty good hitter. I don't know why he's hitting ninth. By the way, your number nine hitters three hitting three hundred. Um, you know I'd be looking at you know a bunch of things here. Um, and, and if it goes on for too much longer, then do you just say, okay, well, this is a lost one, and we start looking, you know, to make some trades? You know, maybe we see what we can get for some of these pitchers. We, we say this is a lost cause. I mean, it's too early for that. But I'll tell you what, a month from now, if it's this bad, somebody's going to, but Baldelli might be gone. And I hope it doesn't happen. Rocco's a good guy. Um, or there's going to be some people on the move as they try to figure this out, whether it's to retool for this season right away, and I don't know how you do that, or whether it's, hey, let's dangle some of these guys, get some prospects, and uh, and rebuild for next year, you know, and clear some salary, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, 12 and 22, the White Sox, conversely now, 21 and 13, eight games over 500. they are right where they're supposed to be. They've won five in a row. By the way, Tony Larusa, who's 112 years old, obviously is not too old to coach uh, Major League Baseball, although I could probably coach this team to 21 and 13. nothing against Tony. But you know, Tony LaRusa has not been a detriment to the Chicago White Sox uh, performance this year. So I hope we don't hear any more. I'm tired of every time uh, I see an article about the White Sox and they mention Tony La Russa, they have to mention how old he is. You know, maybe it's because I'm old and I'm tired of <laughs> I'm tired of, of ageism. You know, but uh, I jeez, good lord. Uh, the uh, Phillies win again and how about in the Washington Nationals look their bullpen has been a a uh, a crime scene for the last few years they thought they had a great bullpen this year you know they'd made a lot of moves they brought in Brad Hand who's been one of the best closers uh, in baseball the last few years well he blew another save yesterday it's his second blown save in his last three appearances and the one one day he didn't blow a save he lost the game in extra innings He he has uh, been pretty much personally responsible for the Nationals uh, being where they are right now uh, as they have lost uh, four in a row, and three of them were because of Brad Hand. The Phillies, conversely, now 7 of 10. Uh, They are just a game behind the New York Mets in the National League East as they uh, continue to feast on the Washington Nationals bullpen. And uh, Bryce Harper, three more hits. In Washington yesterday, he has had a nice trip to uh, the our nation's capital. Three for five. He's now hitting 308 on the season. Uh, one other quick note before we get out of here: the Celtics lost again. They've lost eight of eleven. Uh, now with Jalen Brown out, you knew there was no chance. But they're just mailing it in now. Uh, they're going to. they guaranteed that they're in the playoff now. The play-in, I should say, uh, which is um, the team seated seven to ten. I'll be shocked if they get out of that. This is a team that just wants to go home. It's painfully obvious after yesterday. uh, And now Danny Ainge has some decisions to make. And uh, they are not going to be pleasant ones. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with uh, one of my favorite songs. Ray Charles and Willie Nelson got together for a duet. This is Seven Spanish Angels. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.